0: Continue on with Elijah. Uh, Last week we saw that uh, Elijah had uh, gone to Ahab after uh, hiding for him for uh, three and a half years, and uh, Ahab had challenged the religion of Ahab, the king in in northern Israel, uh, which was the religion of the Baals and and the Asherah, and he had challenged the the prophets of Baal um, and. God had shown himself to be God and the, the, the Baals to be a figment of man's imagination. Uh, but after this, uh, we see what, what happens. Um, Elijah has uh, run back to the city of Jezreel um, and ahead of Ahab. And, and Ahab um, speaks to his wife, uh, Jezebel, who has brought um, Baal worship into uh, northern Israel in an exponential form. So we begin with uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Uh, This is God's word eternally true. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God, There he went into a cave and spent the night. Here ends our reading. There's a response of thankfulness. It's printed for you in your bulletins. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks indeed. Let's pray. And you know, if you know me, I I, I like running and and, uh, and endurance kind of stuff. And we were talking in the the car on the way back uh, to the elders and I on our way back from our presbytery meeting yesterday about, you know, I've, I've approached ministry um, from, it's been 23 years I've been in pastoral ministry, and then um, six years, nine years prior to that was in ministry, from, from the view of, um, not always perfectly, but by the time we got here, from the view of, how can I endure? Um, I, I want to be uh, ministering until I can keep thoughts straight in my head and be helpful to God's people. But how can I endure? Uh, most pastors have a, a length of pastorate of th- three years and then they're out of the ministry. Period. The end. Uh, and, and so uh, how can I be strengthened so that that's not true of me? And and this is a passage for, for all of us about endurance. Um, how can we last? One of the things I learned when I, I stretched out from uh, my, my short running, which was, uh, five, five Ks or three, 3.1 miles, which is considered short and fast in terms of distance running, to, uh, uh, marathon training is, is the, the secret is, you know, you can't, you can't get, um, lactic acid in your, in your muscles early. Um, lactic acid is caused when you use your muscles, like when you're doing push-ups or, something like that. It's how your, your muscles respond. It's a byproduct of using uh, uh, sugar. Boy, this is a lesson in <laughs> physiology here. By using muscle sugar, glycogen, the byproduct is lactic acid It's what makes your muscles feel stiff while you're exercising and what makes you feel sore the next day. But if you get that in your muscles early on and you're trying to run a marathon, you're not going to make it. And so you try, to, you try to buzz along on just turning ox your body turns oxygen into energy. And so you try to go just aerobically, turning oxygen into energy for as long as you can. And as you go on, your muscles, you require more of your muscles. Anyway, that's a little lesson for you uh, but about endurance. But I've realized that, you know, you have to treat hills, going up hills in a careful way so that you're not hurting in the end. There are all these things that you do so that you can you can endure. Um, When you finish a a, a hard run, you get in the first 15 minutes. If you get in a certain amount of protein and carbohydrate back into you, it absorbs in your body four times as fast as if you take the same nutrition in two hours later. And so all these things, so so then you have enough glycogen the next time you're going out and running. So all these things that you can do to endure. And in this passage, we see a number of things that we can do to endure in the faith. Until that day when Christ sees fit um, to end our lives and to bring our souls to be with him. Should he not return during your lifetime? Or until that day when we look up and is lightning in the sky and vultures in the air that, that we see him. Um, how can we endure till that day? And how can we be like one of those people Jesus said to be like? Let me simply find you doing your father's will when I return. How do we be like that? Um, so we look at this in this passage uh, in the life of Elijah. So God okay. provides for us every day, every week, specific things so that we can endure the persecution, the distress well. And with strength, he says to you, number four, um, he says to you this, be strengthened, be strengthened by taking God's means for strength. Be strengthened by taking God's means for strength so that you can endure well in faith until you see Him. So God provides for you certain things like this bread and water to Elijah. Some other things we'll look at here in a second. Things He provides for you. Things that you need so that you can be strong to endure well in your faith so that you can persevere so that when Jesus returns, he can find you doing his father's business right in the act of doing his father's business when he shows up or when he takes your life at a seminary professor who died in the pulpit, <laughs> died preaching, had a heart attack, collapsed. What a way to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> doing his father's will. Um, and and I, I did hear, I don't know if it's, I mean, I heard it right then. He was preaching uh, in Philippians 1 for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And those were his last words. That's what I heard. How about that? Jack Arnold in uh, Orlando, Florida. Um, he was a guy who experienced a, a large bit of depression too um, in his life. I played for john wooden just a little little trivia there uh, for you um, but god strengthens us he makes us strong but it's not magic um, he says there's something for us to do so we can be strong um, like um, refueling at the end of the long run uh, getting in some chocolate milk and some some uh, uh crackers of some kind some carbohydrates that kind of thing so you're strong when the next run comes around um, So number or number a number a we will go with it. You need that's your blank. You need God's provision for endurance and faith during your time on earth. You need this. God provides for you and you're not to say, no, I'm OK. Don't say that to God. He's going to provide you with stuff for your life to endure in faith to the end, this the, to the end of this day, through the week, through this month, through the end of whatever period you're looking at and to that day until you see him face to face. He's giving you provisions and don't say to him, oh, I'm good. Say thank you. I had to learn that about gifts. When someone gives you something and they're excited about the gift and you already have it, you say, oh, thank you. Take the gift. And as soon as you take that gift Your old one that you already had broke and you're glad you took the gift. Okay, and God knows those things with you. So take his gifts of provision for you. So you need God's provision for endurance and faith during your time on earth because you live in exile. Okay, you're like the people reading First Kings. You live in exile and you need certain things to endure while everyone around you all day long is not faithful to Yahweh. If you were in the promised land under David, under Solomon, at least in the first part of his kingship, you know, you just had your entire support system around you. It'd be like today if we lived our whole lives just together. and Nobody ever came in amongst us except somebody else who was a faithful follower of Jesus. We just kind of have our whole support system around us and temptations would be very few around us and we'd have all, all that we needed and so God gives us things because we live our lives in exile from our true country in heaven. Uh, and so Philippians three twenty, we're told our, 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 our citizenship is in heaven. Um, Hebrews eleven, thirteen through sixteen. How did all these heroes of faith survive? And thirteen through sixteen in chapter eleven says, Here's how they survived. They knew this land wasn't their country. They had a better country and that's how they endured in faith. They weren't looking for soil here, even though they were promised soil, promised land. Abraham knew the promises were greater than just this dirt. They had a heavenly country they looked forward to. They had a heavenly Jerusalem that was their true home, not just the Jerusalem on earth. First Peter 1 2 calls us exiles on the earth. God provides for us provision. If you look in 3 and 4, we looked already at that. Elijah's in exile. He's not home in northern Israel, um, he's, he's down south. Beersheba is one of the, the furthest south towns of Judah. And then he goes beyond that. You look in verses 7 and 8. Look there um the, the angel says in the second half of that verse to get up and eat the journey is too much for you so there's a long journey in front of him uh, verse 8 so Elijah got up and he ate and drank strength by that food he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights think about that he's walking 40 days and 40 nights that's a long ways away um 40 days and 40 nights uh, until he reached Horeb that's another name for Mount Sinai uh, you see that interchangeably used throughout the old testament and so he reaches Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, and there he went in a cave and spent the night. Uh, so Elijah's in exile. Uh, the people reading this book were in exile. We live in exile. And God gives us certain things um, for our endurance. I can tell you, as a pastor for 23 years now, um, when people fall away from the faith, when people who are faithful are no longer faithful, it's because they haven't taken these things we're going to talk about that are things that give you endurance and strength and they're not hard things to do it's not climbing a mat. it's not it's not feats of strength it's like elijah here's this here's this bread i've just made for you on, on a, a, a hot coals that you didn't even gather or propane as dan kill would prefer you know that you have that you've gathered there's a piece of bread just lay out for just just take it and eat it that's easy This is easy stuff, but there's not there's not a case of someone falling away from the faith, falling away from faithfulness where they destroy in which they destroy their lives and the lives of those around them. There's not a case of this where they have been taken in these means that we'll talk about now. Boy, I feel like I'm on the news teasing you about the weather. That's not going to come up for 20 minutes, Uh, (laughs) but but there's not a case of this. Somebody who's taken in these means, they don't fall away. They don't. They're taking in these things and they're faithful to the Lord. And it's not tough stuff. Um, That is, there's a one-to-one correspondence between those who carry on in strength until Jesus comes, to their own being blessed in life and to their being a blessing to those who are around them, um, who help others in the faith, um, who are taking this, God's regular means of strength. So be, be. God gives provision for your soul to carry on in faithfulness in exile. Um, he gives provision five things. Five things. It's your blank. Five things. And you must pursue them. They're not hard, but what we talk about in our, our circles of churches, you must avail yourselves to them. You must put yourself where these things are. You must just receive these things that God's laying out for you, like like uh, God lays out and the angel lays out for Elijah. Um, pursue these things. Um, so first thing, uh, first thing to to take God's provision for you for faithfulness is his word, the Bible. That's your blank. The Bible, his word, the Bible. Um, Elijah had alerted in chapter 18, verse 18 the reason all the trouble the reason of the for the unfaithfulness of Ahab and why there wasn't rain and all this trouble had come on was that Ahab had not availed himself to the word of god the bible you followed the ways he says in 1818 you followed the ways of the baals now the law of god the genesis through deuteronomy that was the ways of the lord And God clearly communicates in those first five books. If you follow the ways of the Lord, all these blessings will come upon you. And it wasn't hard stuff to do. It was just worship me and no one else. Look to me and no one else. Um, But Ahab hadn't done that. He hadn't taken in and he had shunned reminders of the Bible, reminders of God's word to him. He had taken to him and fed at his table. Jezebel had officially sponsored state-sponsored prophets of, uh, of, of Baal and of um, Asherah. He was listening to other stuff. And you as a Christian can get into trouble listening to non-Bible stuff that directs your life and who you are and, and what you value and what your character is. Uh, and so you just want to be careful and you want to have a, a red flag come up in your head when you say this kind of sounds like life advice. You, you should have red flags go Dwing, like this up in your head and say, how does this match with Scripture, the word of God? And, and, and if it matches, great. If it's kind of off, note that and go with what Scripture says in the way Scripture says it. Um, Ahab gets in trouble, and the whole nation, all those who are around him, get in trouble because they're not. He's not taking in this dose from God's word day after day. He's not here. He's not supporting the hundred prophets and Elijah and Obadiah at the table to hear from them. He's not taking a copy of the scriptures which the king was to have. Uh, Deuteronomy 17. The king was to have his own copy of the scriptures. So that he might read them day after day. Ahab was not doing this, and this is what gets. This is the first thing that gets him in trouble. So far back that we had to go a chapter to find it. <laughs> eighteen, eighteen. It's the setup for every. It's the setup for everything. Um, so you know, Psalm nineteen seven through eleven, uh, David recounts all the benefits of God's word, what it does, and how it operates in our soul, and how it creates us in us blessing, and creates, makes us to be a blessing. To other people Psalm 19 7 through 11 um, uh, acts uh, 242 um, this is you can look at it on the front of your bulletin um, the first verse listed there under your call call for worship now context for acts 242 um, the church is being persecuted right from the get-go Peter preaches at Pentecost and immediately they're they're suffering persecution and here's how Here's how they respond to it. They devote themselves, what's the first thing? To the apostles' teaching. How do you respond to a world who's persecuting you? How do you respond if you're a Jew in Jerusalem and you've believed in Jesus and your family has disowned you? And the religious authorities that you respected and followed. The Sanhedrin, the Pharisees are now treating you as a target. How do you respond? You devote yourself to the Apostles' teaching. And that's and that's what this book is. The Apostles' teaching. All the New Testament is the Apostles' teaching and the Apostles telling us how to interpret the Old Testament. Telling us how the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus and His Gospel. So that's the Apostles' teaching. And we devote ourselves that's a great word isn't it we devote ourselves how do you yeah. want to do well spiritually how do you want to experience blessing how do you want to be a, how, do, how can you be a blessing to the people around you devote yourself to learning this book i always say it every once in a while it is my goal for you my conscious goal for you this is not just a sermon point as a pastor my goal for you is that you get mastery of this book This is not something that that, uh, you will understand completely until the day you die. And that's the good news. You'll always be learning. But you should not be saying, oh, this is so big. I'll never really understand it. No. This is a book you should know. This is a book where you should say, oh, this is Micah. I get it. I know what the prophets are talking about. I understand what God is doing and, and how He responds in these situations. This makes sense to me. I have a grasp of, of, of biblical history from, from Adam through Noah to Abraham to, into Joseph and their time in Egypt, All this stuff going up and, and what's happening in, in the last things as we're talking about in Sunday school. Don't think the Bible is too hard for you. It is not. Jesus is talking to simple people and he's, he's teaching very complex things in a simple way. God created you and he's speaking to you and he wants you to listen. Okay. Um, and, and so know this book, read this book and be patient with yourself. Just keep reading and every year, You'll read the passage the next time and you'll say, I get this better than I did last year. So devote yourself to the apostles teaching. This is not just something of a pastor's vocation. This is something for you as a person of God, uh, as a man of God, a woman of God, a child of God to know to know this book. OK, um, notice in that uh, back to your outline here so you can flip the page back. Um Notice in the preparation for hearing of God's Word. It's referenced there, First 1 Peter 1:3, 1, first thing that's said there. His divine power, speaking of the Holy Spirit, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. How? Through the knowledge of him who called us. Everything you need for life and godliness is through knowing him. How do you know him? From this book, how do you have understanding of this book? By the divine power, the Holy Spirit, he's put in you, which gives you eyes to see and ears to hear. If you don't think this is talking about the Bible, just look 18 verses later in verse 20 and 21. Don't you understand that every prophecy, speaking of scripture, every prophecy is not the interpretation of a man. These are not just men's words. These are men who wrote carried along by the Holy Spirit. That God's divine power wrote this book, And now God's divine power is giving you knowledge through this book to understand it, that you might have knowledge, that you might know him who called you. And knowing him who called you, you will have everything you need for life and godliness. As we used to say in college, you won't tube (laughs) like an inner tube that explodes. We used to talk about people who left the faith. They're tubing. You know, they're, they're leaving the faith. Um, you won't leave the faith if you put these things together. So be expose yourself. Part of what you're doing here and being in the church, you're exposing yourself to God's word. Why do we drench you in scripture with a fire hose through this service with God's word so that, so that you'll know him and that knowing him, you'll have everything you need for life and, and godliness. Now the second thing. The second thing. second thing is the Lord's Supper. second thing is the Lord's Supper. Um, where do we get that? Well, look at verses six and seven, just a little hint here, just a little hint. Um, verse six and seven, um, Elijah looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Did he prepare that for himself? No. Um, who prepared it for him? God did. Um, sounds like the Lord's supper, doesn't it? The little way that we see a foreshadowing of the Lord's Supper. Um, God provides for his people what they need for their strengthening. We talk about that when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is for your spiritual strength. We pray, strengthen us. And we are strengthened as we, we take the Lord's Supper. We 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 believe that God, you know, works by his spirit in our souls to strengthen our souls. One, is just supernaturally in our souls. And, and then secondly, just by the, the remembrance of me, part of the Lord's Supper. When we remember the God who loves me came to earth and he proved it and he died for my sins, that gives us strength to endure persecution as he did. The Suppers a reminder of his persecution. He did it. And we are to 1 Peter 2.22. Walk in his ways. He's our example of suffering in persecution. And he's our example that we might walk in his steps. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter two twenty two. So God provides for us a special meal, the Lord's Supper, as he provided for Elijah, a special meal to strengthen us. Uh, and so we, we say the Lord's Supper is not a mere memorial. It's not just remembering Jesus. it's part but part of it, but it strengthens our souls, and that's why we celebrate it as we, as we come together. Um, twice here, verses six and verse seven, God provides special food and drink to strengthen Elijah. Get up and eat, gives him a cake of bread, jar of water. He ate and drank. And then look at verse seven. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. Verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time. And sounds like we repeat the Lord's Supper here, doesn't it? It's not just something we do once, not like baptism. But he says, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. Guess what, folks? You're on a journey. You're on a journey of faith until Jesus comes back. And the journey is too much for you. What do you need? The journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank and strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, Mount Sinai. You know, my mom, my family, you know, knows this when I was growing up, when I didn't feel quite well, I'd get headaches. I still get headaches when i get low on blood sugar a little bit and she'd say to me, John, just eat a little something. You'll feel better. And and this is what the Lord says to you spiritually when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Hey, just eat a little something. You'll feel better. You'll be strengthened. Um, This is not a bare ceremony that we do. This is something the Lord's Supper, something that strengthens our soul, something that that he gives to us. God doesn't say to Elijah, toughen up. (laughs) Jesus, you know, didn't say to him, I'm going to survive 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness without eating and drinking. Buck up, buddy. Instead, he says, no, you know, eat and drink. The journey's too much for you. Give, take, don't say I'm okay. I'm good. Take the Lord's Supper. Be strengthened. Yeah, it's a a little bit of a controversy in the church once in a while. It's like, should you take the Lord's Supper if you had a fight with your wife or your husband on the way to church? And and the answer is yes. You especially need the Lord's Supper. (laughs) If you're a believer... Take the Lord's Supper, to be strengthened in your faith, so that you're confronted with how silly this is, that I was with, that I was holding some kind of grudge, or that I was not forgiving, that I was not being gracious, when Jesus has been this gracious with me. We're strengthened to lay aside our pride like Jesus did when He went on the cross and died in his underwear. Okay? So take that, take the Lord's Supper. Um, sometimes physical <laughs> sometimes when you're struggling, actually take bread and bread and drink sometimes you just need that um, uh, the earliest church again acts 242 what does it do when it faces immediate persecution after the, the ascension of Jesus? look again, call to worship they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and just skip down to the last one and to the breaking of bread second to last one and to the breaking of bread um, this is, this is the Lord's Supper uh, there. They, say, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. They, they devote themselves to this breaking of bread. This Jesus saying, you know, breaking the bread before them and saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, 1 Corinthians 11 Uh, Paul indicated that this was the standard, normal practice of the church, that the church comes together and it celebrates the the Lord's body and blood and that we are to acknowledge the Lord's body and blood to rightly take of the Lord's of the Lord's Supper. So that's something God gives to you and why it's important for a Christian to be in the church, because that's where the Lord's Supper is served. He gives it to you to be strengthened to endure. Number three, number three, the third thing, fellowship. Um, this is something where Elijah falls short, isn't it? Verses three and verses three and four. Um, you see here Elijah was afraid and reigned for his life, verse three. He came to Beersheba and he himself went in, uh, he and he Beersheba and Judah and he left his servant there, and while he went away in a day's journey into the desert, and then he gets depressed. Perhaps it's this loneliness all by himself which intensifies this feeling of I alone am in Israel, and we'll see this later. I alone, I alone love you, Lord. And he's, he's forsaken fellowship here. Um, again, Acts 2.42, front of your bulletin. What does the early church do when they begun, begin to be persecuted? They devote themselves to the hostile teaching and to the fellowship. This is second, uh, uh, second thing. listed. the third thing should just put them in order. Sorry, Um, the second, the second thing that's listed here in Acts 242. How are you strengthened to endure? Devote yourselves to the apostles teaching, to the breaking of bread and to fellowship. Elijah doesn't. And it gets depressed and he says, I wish I could just die. Nobody needs me. No one's around who's faithful. (laughs) I'm just out here on my own, out here by myself. Uh, but God gives this to us. And look at the second part of your call to worship. It's Hebrews 10, 25, where the writer of Hebrews admonishes the people. I know you're and they were in persecution there. Uh, probably um, uh, Jewish Christians in Rome uh, are receiving this book of the book of Hebrews. And, and the question could arise in their mind. Should I just privately worship and not show publicly that I'm a Christian? Because if I do, I'll be persecuted. And so some had already quit in the assembling of Christians together there in Rome in order to um, uh, avoid that persecution. But look at what 1025 says. Let us not give up meeting together as some Christians are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. See, we come together in fellowship and we're encouraged. We're given courage. See that in the word? Encouraged, we're infused with courage, with strength, with power to walk with Christ in the midst of a persecuting world. So, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. So we need fellowship that strengthens us. You know this stuff. Uh, we come and we're encouraged. We're, 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 we're uh, given strength as we meet among God's people. And we see that there are other people who believe you know, when you're somewhere else and you go to worship service and, or you, you meet somebody at work and, and you find out they're a believer, you're encouraged, your heart is strengthened because you say God is at work somewhere else too. And that encourages you and helps you to be strong. And If you have one other person, you know, at work or you you know, uh, flight school or wherever you are, who's a believer, you know that that strengthens you to walk with Christ in that in that setting. Number four, a fourth thing God gives to you to strengthen you. So you've got um, God's word, the Bible. You've got number two, the Lord's Supper. You've got number three, fellowship. And four, prayer. Uh, we see this. Elijah does do this well. Verse four, he prays to the Lord there and then has this conversation. But we see this in, in uh, Acts 2.42. Not only does had Elijah prayed to the Lord when he was in distress and in depression, but the church in their distress in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And to prayer. And we see these great prayers in the early church as the church is persecuted. They come back together and they turn to the Lord. They turn to the Lord in prayer. Um, and so he prays and he goes a day's journey into the desert. And. Um, um, I don't recommend you pray what he prayed there. Um, Take my life. Um, But he does do the right thing in praying. Uh, We see the early church devote themselves to prayer. Uh, Paul uh, reemphasizes this in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Probably Paul's, I think it's Paul's first letter, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He says, pray continually or pray without ceasing. Pray about everything. Uh, be, in, be in prayer about stuff as it comes to you. This is something for your strengthening. Okay? And, and don't make this a big thing uh, where, oh, I got to I got to kneel here in a closet for half an hour every day and pray. No, you know, pray when you're in your car, when you think of something, oh, I need to pray for it. Just don't make it fancy. You say, you know, God, help help Laura help Andrew in this situation. You know, save Bill's brother. What's his name? Greg. Yeah, save Greg. You know, and just—I mean, just that. God knows what we're talking about. And just make it simple for yourself, um, so that you can pray, and that will strengthen you. You know, you see these these things. You know, as Bill said, you know, shared, and we prayed, and boom! that afternoon, answered a prayer that, that 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 strengthens us. You know, we're able to endure. We're like, God's really there. And he's listening to us. He's answering us. I can endure in this through my suffering. Uh, And then last thing, number five, Sabbath. Sabbath. We haven't talked about Sabbath in a while. We talked about Sabbath a lot in the life of our church through the years. Where do we see this? Verses five through eight um, here. um, And these other places. We looked at Genesis two. God takes a Sabbath. He didn't need to, but he does. Um, Seventh day, he rests. He didn't need the rest. But he he mirrors something for us there in Genesis 2. Um, He commands us to do it in Exodus 20. Um, But, you know, I I used to get uh, depressed sometimes when I was in college because I went to college in Springfield, Ohio, which was uh, humorously called Sprinklefield, Ohio. It was dre- gray and dreary and we had rain lots. It wasn't as bad as Seattle. It wasn't as bad as Rochester, New York, the two rainiest cities in the nation. Uh, but, but it was pretty dreary. And, and, and sometimes I would come back to my room. I remember in, uh, first floor, North Hall. And, um, I would just come back from class and I'd just feel like, oh man. And I'd feel tempted and I'd feel, uh, just, just, uh, um, beaten down by the world and and I would just take a uh, take like a 15 minute nap and I'd get up and I'd feel better (laughs) you know sometimes a little bit of rest and and you know that's good I mean physically get your rest you you will fall to temptation when you're more tired that's just the case of things your defenses are down you're tired you do stupid stuff you make stupid decisions you, you do stupid things so get your physical rest and sabbath today for us is still part of that we have, you know, Sabbath is is uh, a dual right now. We've got a physical part of Sabbath because we're still physical beings, and we've got a spiritual part of Sabbath too. And and you can see that even in the Old Testament, it's 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 half and it's half and half. Um, rest is good. Uh, you saw in our declaration of the gospel this morning, Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened." Ever feel that way, weary and burdened? And I will give you a pep talk so you can just go out there and blow blow their socks off. No, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need rest. Jesus framed us. Nothing's been made, but that he has made, John 1, 2. He's made us and he knows we need rest. And we still need physical rest. We're still in these physical bodies that are on their way to dying, right? We need physical rest. We're wired that way. If you don't get enough rest, you don't, you can't concentrate, right? So some people are creative people inventing things. They take these, you know, Kramer does it for a while. It doesn't work out for him. But you take these, you know, weird rest breaks, you know, to keep working on your projects. But you So your brain is making the right connections. But, but we need this rest is good It's presented to us, the the promised land is presented to God's people as a land of rest. After their land of no rest in the promised land. That's the big significance with this in the law of Moses. You were working seven days a week under brick quotas. And God's saying, take a day of rest. That's promised land living. If you're part of the people of God, freed from the oppressors. I'm um, brought out of the kingdom of the world. You get rest, uh, and that's a good thing for you. You need you need that you need that rest here in verses five through eight. Um, Elijah had had a big couple of days, <laughs> as you'd say to your little son. You've had a few big days, haven't you? Uh, he's had a few big days. Uh, Carmel, he uh, runs to Jezreel. He's kind of tired from that, right? He outran the chariot. Um, he uh, uh, he gets this message from Jezebel. You know, and and so all his all his adrenaline's flowing, his heart rate's pumping, and he gets gets out of town from Jezreel um, and and runs away. And so he's doing all this traveling, days journey into the desert. What does he need? Rest. Verse five. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. He lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, "Get up and eat." Looked around. There, by his head, was a cake of bread. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. Rest is good. Elijah's not getting rebuked for this. This is what Elijah needed. He needed needed rest. Um, By this rest and food, he got up. He was strengthened. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Uh, Now, just like food, sometimes uh, physical uh, is physical. Um, You need rest physically um, to be strengthened and refreshed for what's in front of you. Um, We see that God, just as he made special food for Elijah, a little meal for him, um, which we have in spiritual food in the Lord's Supper. uh, So here, sometimes we just need real physical rest. Um, God gives us a combination of this and in his commandment about resting one day in seven uh, the fourth commandment, the Sabbath. Um, Just note in the, the New Testament. Uh, God doesn't pull out any of the Ten Commandments. He doesn't pull out, He doesn't pull out the commandment against murder. He doesn't pull out the commandment against honoring your father and mother. He doesn't command uh, give out the, uh, do away with the, the commandment about uh, coveting or, or stealing. He puts us all back in because his law reflects his character. And he doesn't say, follow me and my character in every way except resting. I rest on the seventh day, but you don't need it. You're big and strong. You're big boys. You've got those eternal friends. No, he's got the eternal frame and he rests. He rests as an example to us. And he gives us rest because we need it. We need rest to endure, to endure well. Um, It's God's gift to you. One day in seven. uh, I work all day on seven, uh, you know, on this on this day. Um, this is my work day like jesus talked about the priests when jesus was talking about the sabbath so i take my full day of rest usually on monday that's why if you if you message me or email me on monday you probably get a message like at 6 30 on tuesday morning um, there sometimes i take it on tuesday depending on what i i need to do but but this is god has said to me you need rest john you need rest from your labor and that's a physical that's a physical rest, and that's a, a spiritual rest, away from the, the normal stuff of the week. Uh, and so God gives that to you in the Lord's Day, uh, a day of a day of rest, where you can walk away from your work. There are you know qualifications for that. You know if your your kid's sick or you're sick, you know go get your medicine. If you're a doctor, you know go heal people on the on the Sabbath day. If you know they're going to die before the next day. You know, go and and have those office hours or be on call or whatever you need to. There's certain emergencies and that's in the law of Moses. If your ox is in a ditch, here's how it's in the law of Moses. If your ox is in the ditch on the Sabbath day, get it out. But don't work with your ox on the Sabbath day if he's not in an emergency situation where you need to rescue him. so this one day, this uh, one day and seven dedicated to the Lord, uh, not just the morning, but the day is to your spiritual strengthening, um, your spiritual fortification so that you can endure well spiritually the week. Realize this, protect this day, guard this day so that you can be doing well the rest of the week. So Genesis two, one through three, God works six days and he rests on the seventh day. We're made in God's image, huh? So we should rest six days and rest on the seventh day. Um, He puts in the Ten Commandments and he reemphasizes that. I rested on the seventh day and so should you. So you reflect me. So you're an image of me on the earth. Um, But there's a temptation that Satan would have for us. So as not to fare well in the faith and to put our own personal well-being to treat the Sabbath like a burden. Um, And this happened in Old Testament history. The prophet Amos dealt with this. Isaiah dealt with this. There were people who couldn't wait for the Sabbath day to be over so they could trade and do their business and and get on with the important stuff. And Amos says, hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over? That was the new moon was a special Sabbath day when the new moon came you know, on a, on a sabbath. So there are weekly sabbath days and then there's the new moon which is a once a once a month special sabbath day. Um, so when will the new moon be over um, so that we may sell grain and the sabbath be ended that we can that we may market wheat. You know I always think about this like the Kentucky Derby. The horses lined up in the gates. When will this gate open so I can get going with what's important. And God says Hold your horses. Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Did you like that, Bill? (laughs) Hold your horses. Now, if you've got emergencies to attend to, you know, Jesus said it's good to do good on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for the restoration. But always ask yourself the question, can this wait till tomorrow? Is anyone's life or well-being in danger? Or before the Sabbath, ask yourself the question, is there something that I might be tempted to do tomorrow that's kind of a worky kind of thing? that I could take care of today so that I don't have to do it tomorrow. Um, So you see those dishes in the sink, you know, it's like, uh, I'll do these while I'm watching the football game so I don't have to mess with them tomorrow. So I'm not tempted to do that tomorrow. Um, So when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain? The Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat. But get this, Jesus, reemphasizing the Sabbath, teaching the, the Pharisees who didn't understand the Sabbath, what the Sabbath was about. This is another sermon, but... It's rest and restoration. So that you're restored through rest. And part of your restoration is through taking in the stuff of the church. Part of your restoration is physically resting. Okay? So that you can be restored, so you can walk through the week in successful faithfulness to God. But Jesus puts it to the Pharisees in this way. He says to them, the Sabbath was made for man. That means God gave you the Sabbath as a gift. He's giving you permission to do nothing in your work for a whole day. And you can say, and this is being faithful to Jesus. I'm not mowing my yard. I'm not fixing my car, not fixing my plumbing. I'm just, I'm turning off that valve, right? So things don't get ruined. I'll fix it tomorrow. And I'm not being lazy. I love that. I don't have to work and I'm not being called lazy. This is a gift to you. God didn't need the Sabbath, but you did. And so he says, the Sabbath was made for man. It's a gift for you. Take it as a gift. It's a vacation day every week. And you need it to be strengthened, to be fortified, to have in your soul a knowledge that there is a God who makes everything, all this nonsense on the earth. Just stop that ministers to our souls all this stuff i'm worried about the other six weeks i need to do that to serve my fellow man to love my fellow man my work is important but you know what jesus is going to be back one day and it's all going to be rest Every, all this stuff is just going to poof it's going to vanish the sabbath is a reminder you and i are not that important The world will go on if we're not here. If I don't work today, everyone's going to be okay. So take that. Your soul needs that. And yes, we're from Mars if we declare this today versus declaring this in 1955 when no shops were open. All right? But God is weird. Right? How does man do? When he doesn't look at this book, he winds up in weird places. But God keeps us straight with this book. He says, here's what's weird. Not resting one day in seven, because I did. And you're created in my image. So take that as a thing for your spiritual strength. Um, Don't be on the treadmill all the time. God says, take a day of rest. And here's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I'm going to do. Not for me, because I'm standing on my feet half the day and doing other stuff. But he takes care of the physical part part on another day. But but, uh, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you a day physically of rest. I'm going to give you a day mentally and psychologically of rest. Rest away from your work. And I'm going to restore your soul by taking in, in the church, all these things. The Bible, you know, the apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. On the Sabbath, God accomplishes all these four things in this fifth thing. On the Sabbath, he gives you these automatic things. If you just exercise keeping the Sabbath, coming to worship him, letting everything else stop. And this, our gathering together, become alive. Um, so your, your summary here. Um, or your last statement there, sorry. Um, remember that the Sabbath resting one day per week for restoration, rejuvenation, and refreshment is a gift of God to you. It's a gift of God to you. So take it, take the gift. Don't say I'm good. Take the gift. Summary, I'll have hardship in life. I'll have hardship in life because you're a fa- you will have hardship in life because you're a faithful Christian. Elijah shows us this. He's the most faithful one and he has hardship. Um, You may have depression. You may have distress because of this. B, God provides for you uh, in the church five things. He provides for you five things. They're not hard things. And you take care of most of them, at least if you just show up. If you just do the one, if you just do the fifth, the Sabbath, the other things fall in place. But five things. The Bible, that's your number one. Second is the Lord's Supper. The Bible, the Lord's Supper, third is prayer, fourth is fellowship, Bible, Lord's Supper, prayer, fellowship, fifth, Sabbath, and see, as you keep these five things as regular components of your life, you'll be strong and endure in faith you'll be strong keep these just as regular components of your life you'll be strong and endure in faith well you'll be strong and endure in faith well let's pray